So in this moment of David's life, where David is anxious, probably as anxious as you could possibly be, he's literally hiding in caves from his son who wants to kill him. And David's response in the middle of this crisis in his life is not to focus on his problem, but to focus on something else entirely. He says in verse 1, Oh God, you are my God. Oh, his connection to the Heavenly Father. Today on the Songtime broadcast, we'll prepare ourselves for Thanksgiving as we count our blessings, naming them one by one. We'll prioritize them as they pertain to the kingdom of God. Stay tuned for that message, one of my own sermons. But first, we're going to hear from our good friend Jared Wilson with Christmas just around the corner. It's time for you to get your Advent devotional. And Jared has an excellent one available for us today. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. For some of you to talk about Christmas before Thanksgiving is completely inappropriate, but for others, we're already a month behind. You've already started decorating the house and getting everything in order, but in order to make sure that you get a copy of a a great book for Advent and start reading on December 1st, we're going to be talking today with our good friend Jared Wilson, who's written an excellent Advent devotional called Gifts of Grace. It's a great resource, and it's always a privilege to have him back on the broadcast with us. Jared, thank you so much for being a part of the Many Voices for that one message. Brother, thanks for having me back. I'm glad to be with you again, man. Why don't you get started by telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, your kind of background. We, you write about this in the book that you didn't grow up with a huge emphasis on Advent. I didn't grow up either with any real major emphasis on Advent. Um, why now in uh, this stage of life write a book about Advent? Yeah, well, a couple of things. One, um, you're right. So in my childhood, I remember one year we did kind of the, the uh, as a family, lighting the log you know, lighting the candles in a, in a Yule log sort of thing. And, um, you know, doing maybe some family readings, but it, it wasn't even a family tradition. I think we tried it one year and it certainly was never a part of our church tradition that I recall. So I didn't grow up with it, but the church that I pastored in Vermont for six years, it was a part of their annual, um, tradition, um, preaching an Advent series, um, you know, became an annual tradition as well. So it, it became kind of a, a new and cherished tradition for me and for my family as well. It's a part of the ch- church, um, you know, calendar or church expectation here um, where I am in, in, in Kansas City now um, as well. But beyond that, you know, um, as I get older and, and um, as much as I love, you know, Christmas, I love Christmas so much. It feels like it goes by so quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's my favorite holiday, and yet it, it, I just feel like it's a blink and you miss it. You know, it goes from, you know, which Christmas movies are we going to watch on which night to suddenly it's December 26th and the living room is a mess and <laughs> there's, you know, dishes in the kitchen sink. And I'm thinking, was that it? What what just happened? So the idea of actually the meaning of Advent, of kind of slowing down for the expectation of commemorating the Lord's um, incarnation, um, that became really uh, important to me. Like, how can I uh, myself take the time to build a sense of anticipation, to build a sense of expectancy, not about this holiday or parties, um, all of which are you know good things, 
but really about um, about the gospel and and use this time of year to you know meditate more deeply on the grace of God in in His Word. So that's kind of the idea behind the book: is how can I help people kind of slow down and kind of stew in the good news of Jesus during the Advent season? Yeah. The book is called Gifts of Grace, 25 Advent Devotions, and I think it's a great resource and a great reminder that this season of Advent is really a season lined up for building anticipation. Now, you know, to celebrate, I love Christmas too, we get so much celebrating done in during the Advent season that we've lost the 12 days of Christmas. You know, the 12 days we're supposed to celebrate. No one wants to hear Christmas songs on the radio on the 26th. <laughs> but we, so we, we, we've kind of put things in reverse order in some sense when it comes to Christmas. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I'll cop to being guilty of that in some respects, my, my wife, even more so. So, Normally, we have our tree and our house kind of decorated interior uh, by the end of October. (laughs) Uh, She does it up as a party. There's some young ladies who come from the church, and they spend all day Saturday helping my wife. You know, she cooks for the whole day. She has a whole kind of buffet spread, and they turn, you know, this house into, into Christmas joy. And we start listening to Christmas music really early and all those sorts of things. Brother, I, I, I think that a lot of that is is just a part of the the yearning for what we want Christmas to be. Um, you know, everything, especially the nostalgia piece of it, you know, um, the you know, the reason why we you know, the Christmas music that we hear every year uh becomes so treasured and kind of uh transports us in, in some way the the reason why the old christmas movies and even some of the new kind of hallmarky movies we love that kind of small town there's a there's a vibe there's a feeling i think it's largely nostalgia and even for younger people it's a nostalgia even for a time that when they weren't even around right it's a it's it's underneath it's a longing for heaven it's a longing for a sense of being at home it's a sense of of family and all those sorts of things and our heart yearns for it so much that we want to have it as, as soon as we can and for as long as we can, which is why I think we've kind of flipped some of the Christmas celebrations and expectations. Now, on the craft side of things, you know, consumeristically, it's, you know, the stores are trying to make money by putting, you know, that's why the trees are up in the in the middle of October and, you know, on the consumeristic um, level. But for a lot of us, I, I think it's just that, we just want this Christmas feeling and we think if we, if we can draw it out and start early, we can kind of approach this feeling in, in, in ways that we couldn't otherwise. We've been talking with our good friend Jared Wilson about his 25-day Advent devotional called Gifts of Grace. It's an excellent resource, and we want you to be aware of it, especially with Christmas right around the corner. This is a book you'll want to have uh, go through each day, a reminder of the gifts that we have in Jesus Christ. What do we try to do all of the time? Remind you of the gospel. I can't think of a better Advent devotional than Jared Wilson's book. Get a copy. Find out more information by giving us a call. It's 508-362-7070. That's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com. 
Well, today we are continuing in our Thanksgiving celebration. As we're looking forward to this holiday season, we'll be gathering together with friends and family. I'll be with my family, uh, Lord willing, this Thanksgiving. When we gather together to give thanks and count our blessings, we need to prioritize them. And so I want to share with you one of my messages from Psalm 63 that helps us understand how to seek first the kingdom of God, to seek the Lord and prioritize the treasure that he has given us in their proper place. Here is my sermon again from Psalm 63. Would you join with me as I read this and meditating on this text as we seek to acknowledge the Lord's leading in our presence even today. Psalm 63. A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult. For the mouths of liars will be stopped. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I was 21, I was serving in a school. I'd taken a break from school after two years of Bible college. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Word of Life up in the Adirondacks, but I had done two years of Bible training there, and I'd taken a year off to travel and promote this school. And uh, I had grown up in the church. My dad was a pastor. As it was mentioned today, I started preaching when I was 12 years old. So uh, I had been serving in the church from a very young age. And as a result, I was ready and primed for ministry. I was very excited to join this ministry train. We traveled all over the United States, and we were in upwards of three churches a day sometimes. I mean, it it was a massive ministry, and we were constantly on the road. And I remember at the end of that year, the tail end of that year, I remember writing in my journal. I said, I feel like every time I get a drop of water in my cup, I've got to spoon it out and give it to someone else. I said, if this is ministry, I don't want any part of it. At this point, I had been serving God for years. And in my own mind, I felt like I had gotten to a place where my, I was ready to accept the reward for all of my labor. Where was it? It was always seemed to be held out from me. It always seemed to be just out of reach. The satisfaction of, of serving God seemed to, to be more of a burden than a joy. And a week later, actually from that very same day, a week later, I, we were at a church, we were doing ministry, and one of, the, one of the girls that was part of the team that had helped us, and 
She had told us that she was leaving the team and she was going to be leaving Word of Life. And, you know, because we had been promoting the school, I was indoctrinated. I said, how can you leave this institution? This is the best place to serve God. Where, where else can you serve God with such great, you know, opportunity? It's all around us. We're in so many places and all these things. And I just laid into her. And she looked at me and she said, Adam, it doesn't say that God's a rewarder of those who diligently serve him. Wow. That didn't hit me right between the eyes. I knew that verse. It's Hebrews 11.6. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever comes to God must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Oh my goodness. Now, I don't want to play with the semantics of seek and serve, but that hit me in such a way with such force that I realized that yes, I had been serving God for many years, but I had been doing so with a selfish motivation. I wasn't seeking God for who he was. I was seeking my own treasures, my own rewards and service that I, that I could attain a certain level of status and, 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 and prestige without seeking God as my first and foremost. And it's no wonder that my cup felt empty. That changed my perspective. I, I found some books on the very subject of seeking God, and, and I started moving across. I just completely changed my character. I started telling people all over the place, got to seek the Lord, seek the Lord, seek the Lord. And I was 21. I mean, I, I didn't really have a clue what that meant. <laughs> and people would confront me and say, okay, I get your passion. I see it. But what does that mean? How do I do that? And I didn't know how to answer them until I found Psalm 63. Psalm 63 gives us a, a person who is going through this whole process of struggling to understand what it truly means to seek God and finding that to be his greatest satisfaction. And it's written by King David. Your Bibles have these little inscriptions, and they give us some context to where these psalms were written. And this one is inscribed, A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Now, we don't know much more than that, but scholars will tell you that during this time period in, in David's life, he was in the wilderness of Judah for a very particular reason. He was running from his son Absalom, who was trying to kill him so that he could take the throne. So in this moment of David's life, where David is anxious, probably as anxious as you could possibly be, as he's overwhelmed with the circumstances, he's literally hiding in caves from his son. He's running from his son who wants to kill him. In this anxious time, how do you think David would respond? When you and I are anxious, we tend to worry, right? When you and I are anxious, we tend to focus on our problems, and we try to fix our problems. We try to micromanage them in such a way that we can fix the, and find a solution so that we can get out of being anxious. We're trying to rescue ourselves, pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps. And let me ask you a question. How many times has that worked for you? How many times has that helped you? How many times have you been able to pull yourself out of a circumstance that was so overwhelming, and to do so with confidence, and to do so with, with, with an ability to look back on it and say, wow, I did a pretty good job. Probably not very much. And David's response in the middle of this crisis in his life is not to focus on his problem, but to focus on something else entirely. 
He says in verse 1, O oh God, you are my God. Oh, his connection to the Heavenly Father. A personal connection, not just an ethereal connection, not an acknowledgement that God exists, but God is there for you, that God exists, and he is your God. What are you thankful for during this Thanksgiving season? This is an opportunity for us to share what is most important to us during these holidays. And as you interact with friends and family, with relatives, with neighbors, with the people in your community, even when you're just walking past somebody in the grocery store aisle, you have an opportunity to say, what are you thankful for? And if they ask you back, what are you thankful for? Then what you can tell them is an opportunity to share your faith in Christ. This is an opportunity that we should not pass up. When we set our priorities on the kingdom of God, we have uh, a way to say that we're grateful and thankful for what Christ has done for us. Do not miss this opportunity. In fact, I've written an article called A Gospel Refresher on this very theme preparing you for the opportunities that you have to meet with loved ones and family and neighbors, interacting with people on the holidays, when people's receptivity is much higher and there's opportunities for you to engage with them, make sure that you are articulating the gospel. We need to be witnesses and ambassadors for the kingdom of God, and we shouldn't miss the opportunities that are basically handed to us on a silver platter. When you gather with friends, with family, with loved ones, make sure you are putting the gospel in your Thanksgiving presentation as well as your Christmas presentation. I hope that this encourages you, and I hope that through our ministry here at Songtime, we, in articulating the gospel on a regular basis, can give you the resources that you can pass on. Maybe what you're thankful for is what you just heard in today's message or in today's conversation with Jared Wilson. That is a way to break the ice and present an opportunity to share your faith with your friends, your neighbors, and acquaintances. To find out more information, especially to check out our article that we've published in our latest publication called Worthy of the Gospel, read the Gospel Refresher by visiting our website at songtime.com. You can sign up for our publication. It is free. We send it out every month. Uh, Give us a call, 508-362-7070. And I hope that song time is one of the things that you're thankful for. I hope that we've been able to be a blessing in your life. If we have, consider being a blessing to us in return. Remember us in your end of the year giving. It's the only way that we can stay on the air. Write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630. Or again, you can visit our website at songtime.com. And don't forget to tune in again tomorrow. We'll continue our study in Psalm 63, talking about how to seek first the kingdom of God over the treasures that moth and rust corrupt and corrode. The psalmist David is saying here in this context, he's saying, I'm thirsting for you because there is nothing else. I'm in a desert. There's nothing else I can do to satisfy the thirst that I have. Does your soul seek the Lord in that way? On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17 and 18. Rejoice always, 
pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstance, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you.